Lord, may that be on our minds as we hear about these different portraits of what you share with us today about false teachers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first one is the tickler. When I was thinking of how to describe this, I was thinking of a, you know, a feather. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever woken up somebody with a feather? You know, the ear is fun, right? Going right in the ear. I like to tickle. Uh, the, the nose is another fun one. Sometimes I can get one of my kids to sneeze. Uh, but the ear in the Bible, it talks about the fact that there are people who are going to have itching ears. And, oh, if I turned it on, that would work, huh? <laughs> I was like, it doesn't work. This is what the tickler is. It's not necessarily just tickling somebody, but it is actually a physical thing on the outside that's going and touching the ear and making it itch or, or and whatever. And that what we're talking about is this, and that is a tickler is a false teacher who cares nothing for what God wants and everything for what men want. We get that from 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. And Paul tells us this in 2 Timothy, warns Timothy, this is a pastor, and he says, warn the church. And he says this, and he warns Timothy that this is what's going to happen with many people within the church. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. They will have their itching ears. It literally means they want somebody to tickle their ears, to tickle their fancy, to entertain them, to meet their passions. In fact, it's, it's, it's amazing as we look at this because there's going to come a time when people will leave sound doctrine. That word sound there is amazing. Do you know the word literally in the Greek is talking about mental and physical health? They're going, what he's saying is, is like, he's saying, Pastor Timothy, there are people that are going to come in, they're going to teach heresy, they're going to do all these things, and the people in the church are going to want to leave teaching that comes from God that helps them mentally and physically. Because that's literally what the word is, means. Because they want to focus more on their passions, their own desires, than they do on the actual truth of God. The tickler is a, is a person, it's a false teacher who, who looks and he says, Oh, there are people that have all these passions, and I am going to try to please all of their passions. And I'm going to try to drag them in by pleasing them. And that's what they're going to do. And so over the years, the more and more that they do that, the more and more people have left, people who are preaching God's word for people who are just talking about good things. I was on vacation once, and, I, and uh, so I decided I'd listen to one of the local uh, churches in our area, not here, but in California, and I was listening, and they uh, got up, and they read this verse in Luke about Jesus, baby Jesus, 
And then the next 45 minutes, the pastor talked about how amazing it was to go camping in a Winnebago. And it never got back to baby Jesus. Now, the verse didn't actually say baby Jesus, but that's the term he used. And it was amazing. We never heard about the verse, not once. Never heard about any other verses. But he talked about all these amazing things, and this, could, this life that I just lived this last week could be yours. Just give to the church and come to Jesus. That was his slogan. And they have th- uh, about 3,000 people going to that church. A tickler. Is, this is the f- kind of false teacher I, uh, for the sake of time, didn't put any steps in there. He is a man-pleaser rather than a God-pleaser. Galatians 1.10. Paul is is teaching uh, the Galatians. God has said, write this, and he did. And what is going on in Galatians, that Judaizers people have come in and said, you need to follow us, and we have the real truth. It's great that you love Jesus, that you believe in Jesus, That's awesome, but now you also have to be circumcised. If you be circumcised, then you'll have the full truth. And if you just follow us, we'll make sure you have everything. That's kind of, I'm over-exaggerating a little bit, but that's basically, in a nutshell, what they said to them. And they were trying to please people. And Galatians 1.10 says, and Paul said, For am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? For if I'm trying, trying to please men, or am I trying to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. People who serve Christ end up being persecuted by men. But all these men were coming in, and they were trying not to be persecuted. So they said, oh, that's okay. That's great that you love Jesus, but let's add a little bit to it. Because if we add a little bit to it, and we add a little bit of the Judaizers' faith to it, their religion... Then, the Jews, then if we add a little bit, then they won't persecute us. They're ticklers. They are men-pleasers rather than God-pleasers. By the way, the, oh, go back, the second one there, the ticklers crave popularity and praise from the world. To maintain their followers' respect, he preaches only the parts of the Bible that are acceptable. You hear this often. Well, we just don't talk about that. If it talks about sin, cross, death, or hell, you won't hear it from a tickler. Somebody that's trying to please men. Therefore, he speaks as much as he can about happiness, little about sin, as much as he can about heaven, nothing on hell, and he'll give you whatever you want to hear. In fact, they'll tell you, they'll put cards out, tell us what you want to hear about and we'll talk about it. That's traditional in most of the the tickler's churches. In fact, James chapter 4, in verse 4, he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. But the ticklers are trying to be as close as they can to the culture to please as many people as they can, to get as big of a crowd as they can. That's the whole goal, big crowd. There's no gospel in there. It's just big crowd. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God 
as one approved. See, we're supposed to be approved, not by the world, but by God. And it says, one as approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the culture or the word of God. What's so dangerous, what's so dangerous about the tickler is, is the third one here. He preaches a partial gospel, which is no gospel at all. That's what happened in, in Galatians. Listen to Galatians again, chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. I already read verse 10, but listen to verse 6 through 10. It says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly departing him who called you in the grace of Christ. You were saved by grace. And why have you deserted that and are turning to a different gospel? Now look what he says about a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who have troubled you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Basically what he's saying is this is not the gospel at all. You can't have another gospel. There's only one gospel, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But even if I, verse 8, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let them be accursed. And we have said it before, now we say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Let me give you a good example, an illustration of what we're talking about. A live example of, uh, that took place a few years ago on national TV. This happened on, uh, you find a lot of interesting things on Larry King Live. I don't, and uh, Larry King is a, is, a, is a Jew. His new counterpart, by the way, is Ben Shapiro. Uh, he's kind of taken over the Larry King market and uh, into the new phase. Larry King loves to interview pastors of all sorts of different places. He loves to interview John MacArthur. It's hilarious. He has John back and back and back. But he interviews different people. So King was interviewing Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen uh, was on his live, and he was talking about, yeah, how big of a church you have. He says, we have 30,000 people coming to our church and he's like, wow, how do you do that? How do you? And he goes, well, we have a stadium. We have multiple services, about eight to 10,000 per service. And went on and on how great it was. And we got a great following and that kind of stuff. And he gets down to this. And Larry King is asking him, well, how do you know that they're believers? This is exact transcripts. I'm not, this is, you can look up the transcripts. Larry King live interview with Joel Osteen. And it says this, King I'll always refer to King as Larry King and Olstein as Joel Osteen. King, quote, because we've had other ministers on who said uh, your or our good record doesn't count. You either believe in Christ or you don't. If you believe in Christ, you are, you are going to heaven. And if you don't, no matter what you've done in your life, you ain't. All right? By the way, that was John MacArthur who said, you ain't. That's kind of funny, coming from him. Joel Steen responds, yeah, I don't know. There's probably a balance between. 
I believe you have to know Christ, but I think that if you know Christ, if you're a believer in God, you, you're going to have some good works. I think a, a cop-out to say that I'm a Christian, but I don't ever do anything. He didn't really answer the question. He side-skirted the question. King. King knows that he side-skirted the question. Listen to what he asked next. What if you're a Jew or Muslim? Now, granted, King's a Jew, right? Okay, so what if you're a Jew or a Muslim? You don't accept Christ at all. What about that? You know, oh, this is Olstein. You know, I'm very careful about saying who and who wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. King, trying to nail him down further. Because he asked him, he says, Are you, now, before this he had asked him, now you're a pastor, yes. You're ordained, yes. Did you, go to, did you study the Bible? He didn't go to any Bible college or seminary. He was just given the title from his dad. So Olstein, uh, King says this, if you, believe you, if you believe you have to believe in Christ, they're wrong, aren't they? Talking about Jews and Muslims. If you believe, now King understands something. If you believe that you have to believe in Christ, they're wrong, aren't they? Olstein, well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe that the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, there is what I believe. It doesn't make any sense right there, but I'm reading exactly what he wrote. But I just think that only God with, with, judge, with a judge can judge a person's heart. Or I don't understand what he's saying, but... I spent a lot of time in India and with my father. I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. And I don't know. I've seen their sincerity. I just don't know. I know for me and what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. This is a tickler. He doesn't know anything. But what he does know is that he doesn't know. You notice how he's talking to Larry King live and he won't say what the Bible says. He will not. That's a tickler. He's trying to please a wide audience on national TV rather than answer the question based on what God says. The tickler is, is as old as the church itself. If you go past the church into the Old Testament, you look at the, the kings in the Old Testament. What did they do? They, killed, they tried to kill all the prophets, didn't they? That spoke for God. And then they brought in prophets that would speak for the king to please them. They would kill the advisors that spoke for God and they would... Bring in advisors that could speak for the king and say, yeah, the king is right. We have, there are ticklers everywhere that are more concerned about what man thinks rather than what God thinks. Uh, just Joel seems just a new, well, he's old now, but he's new in comparison to Robert Schuller and even 
the king in the Old Testament who put, uh, by the way, Jeremiah in the cistern. You know, one of my favorite heroes of the faith is Abimelech. He's a, a, he, you go to the book of Jeremiah and, and you'll see that uh, Jeremiah is thrown into, the, into a cistern. He's sunk into the mud up to his armpits and he's dying down there. And Abimelech doesn't even, he's not even a Jew. He's from out of town. He said, look what you're doing to God's anointed. Go get some rags. Put it under his armpits and pull them out. He says, stop listening to all these other advisors of yours and listen to the anointed of God who speaks for God, not for you. I love that. And that's the only time you'll hear Abimelech in the whole Bible. And all he does is he points everything back to God and, and, and away from the king. A great illustration. The speculator. The speculator is one obsessed with novelty, originality, and speculations. They have to come up with something new. I've told you this. If somebody says, I have some new thing, a red flag should go up. Peter tells us, he says, I'm going to remind you of everything that God has said continually in in 2 Peter chapter 1. The author of Hebrews warned the church of these strange teachings when he said in in chapter 13 verse 9, he said, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those who devote to them. Don't be, don't treat the new and strange things that you've never heard like good food. Focus on God's grace. Focus on the gospel. I know you, you focus on the, that whole Joel Osteen interview. I mean, you cannot get the gospel from that. There is no gospel. That's why these false teachers are deadly dangerous to the church. Because the very thing that we're supposed to be on mission with to share the gospel is being distorted, destroyed, and you'll never get the gospel. If we focus and spend our time and our wheels trying to figure out all this new stuff, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 says, I urge you, Paul speaking to Timothy, I urge you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different, and that's the same word, strange, doctrine. Stop focusing on these strange things. Focus on the given word is the emphasis there. The, the teaching uh, from the speculator is teaching that's focused on speculating, uh, that displaces the sure and steady doctrine of Scripture. It's amazing. These new speculations, whether it's the shack or whether it's from Sarah Young or whether it's from Joel Olstein or uh, Rob Bell or Bill Johnson or from Hillsongs or from any of these guys or the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, all these new and speculations that they bring up that have nothing to do with Scripture have taken many away from God his word, and the gospel. They will always take you away from a steady diet of the Lord, 
of the gospel, of his word. He grows, the, the speculator grows weary of old truth and he pursues new and original thought. The speculator obsesses about extra biblical end times. It's amazing how they throw away and they say, well, this is really what's going to happen. And they don't focus on what Revelation says or what Daniel says or what Matthew says or what God says. They focus on, here's what all these things that are going to take place. And they don't. Paul put a label on the speculator as someone who contradicts, contradicts, he's contradictory, and he's full of irreverent, irreverent babble. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 and 21, he says, Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit that's been entrusted to you. That means guard God's grace, your, the gospel that has been deposited to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge. These speculators, a lot of times, there's, by the way, it's running rampant, in the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention seminaries right now. There are professors that have wormed their way in that say, well, we have new and improved things to teach on. I'm not just talking about the the Southern Baptist churches. I'm talking about in their seminaries. There are a lot of good churches. In fact, there there are thousands of of Southern Baptist churches that are leaving that denomination for that very reason because there are people that are trying to distort God's word that are saying this is the new knowledge that's more important than the old knowledge. Guard what has been trusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions that are falsely called knowledge, Paul says. The conclusion of all this, guys, is we do not love God more, we do not share the gospel more, and we do not know God's word more when these types of false teachers are prevalent in our life. The warnings are very serious because we want to be about God's business. How, you know what? Probably 50% of the problems in church of why people aren't getting saved are because of false teachers. We get so caught up in these newfangled ideas and we miss out on God's life-giving word that extends grace, that extends the gospel, that calls people, that the Holy Spirit uses to change lives. He doesn't use new ideas. He doesn't use all of these things, these tactics of the false teachers, that's what Satan uses to get us divided. And we get so, it's amazing how many people will defend these people over God's word. It, it's very subtle. We all of a sudden don't realize that we're not in the word anymore. We're in their books. We're not... In the word anymore, we're, we're sharing their message, not the gospel message. All of a sudden, we don't realize we love them more than we love God. It's very subtle. It happens. We love the music more than we love God. We, we love other things. We get, all of a sudden, we develop idol worship. Satan is crafty. 
Satan can't be everywhere. He can't affect everybody at once, but what he can do is he can scheme, he can lie, he can twist, he can distort, he can make us want things that are of no value through his schemes and plans. And he can get us to do the work that he can't do himself. Jesus said this, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Who will re- you will recognize them by their fruit. <laughs> are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I asked a pastor one time, I was talking with him, he's like, oh yeah, man, we got almost 10,000 people at our church. I said, well, how many of them are saved? Do you know, how many of them do you know that are going to go to heaven, that they have a personal relationship with Christ, that are like growing in the word? And he goes, um, we're not sure. I'm like, and he was bragging about, he had, he had 12 pastors at this conference where I was. I was shocked he was at the conference because it wasn't the kind of church that would probably want to go to this conference. But a friend of his from a church that I knew had told him he should take his whole church there, his whole team. So he did. Boy, he got a shock because he heard a lot of word of God and less entertainment and fads and growth and how to get more money, all those kind of things. None of that was there. But I, and he says, we just don't know. I said, we probably have about 500 for sure that we know that are saved. Because those are the ones that are serving. Everybody else, we have no clue if they even know the Lord. That was honest truth from his mouth. I say that because that's missing the whole point of church. The whole point of church is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The whole point of church is to love his written word so that way we can go out and love our neighbors and give the gospel. Why is the gospel not in churches today? We've bought hook, line, and sink, hook, line, and sinker into a lot of these schemes of the false prophets. Be warned. We want to grow as a church. Share the gospel. Love the Lord. Love the word. It's very simple. The more we share the gospel, the more people come to the Lord. But the more you share it. By the way, God says cast it. Throw it, share it. He does, the, he does the catching and the cleaning. You don't have to fix people. Praise the Lord. But that's all that church is trying to do today, fix people. God fixes people. Let it, you want a secret. God catches them and he cleans them. You are off the hook. But you have to love God and you have to cast the gospel out. How can we... Expect the church to grow if we're not casting. God said that's our job. We don't, he doesn't need it, but he wants us to do it. By the way, the more you talk about God to somebody, it tells them what's more important to you. Right? Most of us can tell what's more important by what we talk about all the time. Right? This week, for me, it was sleep. <laughs> Everybody would ask me every day, how are you doing? Tired. <laughs> Didn't talk about God a lot. 
except for when I came down off the ladder safely. <laughs> we thank the Lord for that. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us. If we're all honest, in some way, one of these charlatans, one of these false teachers have affected us in some way. We've believed a portion of their lie or all of their lie. And, that's, and, and the issue here is, Lord, please forgive us so we would listen to you. Forgive us for not just staying focused on you. I pray if someone realizes that they've allowed these type of people to influence their thought about you, that they wouldn't be discouraged, but they'd be encouraged and just seek you. Seek your word. Get involved with you in prayer. Talk to you. And worship you. Lord, I just thank you for all of these things that we've spent so detailed to make sure that we understood what's at stake. The very life-giving gospel is at stake. Our love for you is at stake. It's hard for us to fathom that we are discouraged sometimes from reading our Bible because we just are caught up in the wrong things. Give us a new love for you. I pray that, uh, that we would realize that the gospel, the good news, is so much more important than anything. Your work on the cross. The fact that we, there's no way. There, you've told us there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who seek after God. In our heart, left alone, our desire is not you. But Lord, you came to earth to live a perfect life, to do what we could not do, to die a perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice, to pay for our sin. That's great news, that we have an answer in our life to restore the relationship with you, to have peace, to have joy once again, not because of the world or the circumstances of our life, but because of your salvation, the good news of your work on the cross, your life eternal when you rose again and conquered death. Lord, I pray right now that we all here are saved, that we all have called upon the name of Jesus and have, are saved. Lord, I pray we will repent from our sins and trust you for, with our life. If, no one here, if someone here hasn't done that, I pray that they would do that today. As we sing, that they would just quietly in their heart just lift your name and say, Lord, I need you because it's your sacrifice that pays for my sin. I can't do it. Forgive me. Lord, I pray that they would just simply do that. Call out to you and be saved. Thank you for the direction of your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.